Hello, and thank you for joining us for our She Counts podcast. She Counts is a knowledge sharing and learning platform created to drive savings for low income women. I'm Adia Shea, your host, and I'm the Executive Vice President at Women's World Banking, a 40 year old global network of financial service providers. We've brought together institutions from around the world that are demonstrating best practices in driving savings for low income women. Through this series, you'll hear from the leaders of those institutions. You'll hear their personal stories, the work that they've been doing, and the learnings that they've extracted along the way. The hope is you'll find inspiration and learnings that you can apply in your journey to drive savings for low-income women. For this initiative, we thank the ExxonMobil Foundation for their funding support. ExxonMobil are promoting women as a catalyst for economic development. A few days ago, I spoke with my friend Bernie Akporier, Managing Director of Matontine Senegal. Matontine is Bernie's fourth startup. Bernie shared with us the exciting intersecting worlds of tontines, financial technology, savings, commercial viability, and women's empowerment. Bernie joined me from his office in Senegal. Matontine is an active member of the She Counts cohort, and this is actually how I first got to know Bernie. We met, I think the first time must have been 2018, when we were looking at the uh, first cohort for She Counts. And I remember that what was really interesting about Matt on Team was the way you kind of merged traditional solutions with the latest technology to create something new. Could you just spend a couple of minutes explaining what Tom Teams are? It's a traditional saving system where 10 people, for example, in Francophone Africa, come together and each person saves $10 in the pot. And at the end of the month, uh, you'll have a, a pot of $100. A draw is made and one person randomly wins that pot of $100. Everybody comes together again and repeats the process and another person wins the pot of $100. But you can only win that pot one time. And that cycle continues until everybody has won that part of $100. And people have used this system for literally uh, a century uh, to send their kids to school, buy equipment for the farms, buy furniture for the homes, for all sorts of um, uses. And what is Matontine? Um, we provide access to small loans and a range of financial services like life insurance, um, savings, and so on to the financially excluded in Francophone Africa. And the problem statement that we are solving for is the fact that you have these women in Africa doing savings and lending to each other in these traditional type of savings groups, but they still don't have access to financial services. And the way we solve for that problem is we've digitized these traditional savings, uh, these taunting groups. And then based on people's behavior, and we measure behavior through credit scoring, we're able to offer them a range of financial services. Over time, the very best savers will be able to use their credit score based on all the different activities they're doing on the platform to borrow multiples of what they're able to save in able to get themselves out of poverty. Where would you say Matontin is in its journey? And some of those difficult, the failures and the successes, what would you say are the ones that stand out to you? I think the biggest thing that stands out for me was, is regulation. So, for example, we were shut down by the finance ministry 
2017. And the reason for that was because in our part of Francophone Africa, there is no fintech regulation. The central bank right now are trying to put together a fintech regulation because it's killing innovation, especially when you look at how fintech has radically changed the landscape in countries like Nigeria, countries like Kenya. But because we didn't have fintech regulation in 2017, the government wasn't quite sure how to treat our company. So it took us about a year, the whole of 2017 actually, to be able to come up with a model that the uh, finance ministry was comfortable with. Um, some, some of our successes has been the proof that the lower end or the bottom of the pyramid would pay for financial services if those financial services could demonstrate compelling value. When we first started Matontain, we lined up a series of experts and said to them, listen, this is what we're trying to do. Can you give us some advice? And most of them said, it's never going to work. The poor will never lend technology. They're not going to pay back. They're not going to pay for the service and so on and so forth. So we did a series, a series of pilots to test this out. And what we were able to prove uh, from those pilots and today is the fact that the poor will pay for financial services as long as you can demonstrate compelling value for them. What have you seen from Matontine's experience with Tontines? And can you share an actual story of one of your women clients that really stands out for you? One of the mottos that we have here at Matontine is that we want to take our members, we call our customers members, from poverty alleviation to wealth creation. So it's this concept of you know, surrounding them with what we call 360 degree solutions that where we walk with them all the way through the different levels of the path out of poverty. So an example of that is there was a group of women in a place called Getaway here in um, Senegal. And when they first started with us, they were just doing the tontines. And um, after a few draws of the tontines, we offered them a small loan. And a couple of cycles after these tontines and small loans, they built such a good credit that they were, were able to give them a much larger loan. And what they used that money for was to buy a $2,000 food processing or a milling machine, actually. This doubled the revenues from about $10,000 a, a year to about $20,000 a year. What some of the current research is showing is that just offering people microcredit never gives them, gets them out of poverty because the life of a poor person is just as complex as the life of a rich person. The idea of Matontine is to surround them with a range of different types of services that meet their specific needs. And then that way, you can absorb them from some of the shocks that happens in, in their lives. This is what the future looks like if we get it right. This is how we think of financial inclusion. A poor lady in a small village in Mali, for example, goes onto a basic phone and asks for a loan of $100. We know this lady pretty well because she's a member of our platform. We have a full credit profile of her, including a credit score based on her. Then we publish this request for $100 across our platform to individuals around the world and financial partners. And people bid to, to, to lend her this $100. Because we also have the profiles of our lenders, be it individuals or institutions, we're able to use artificial intelligence and machine learning 
to match the profile of the woman to the profile of the lender. From the lady's perspective, we're also able to use artificial intelligence to build a financial plan for her. So the financial plan might look like something like this. How do I repay back that $100? Well, because we know you so well and you own our platform, we will take $50 of that $100 and repay it from your Tom Tins when you win. The other $50 will take back when you harvest because we know you're likely to harvest in April or May time. And by the way, we've used artificial intelligence to work out what the weather patterns likely to be when you harvest. And we think it's a really good idea for you to put $5 aside for crop insurance. The woman moves from a situation where nobody wants to give her financial services to where people compete to give her financial services. So that's how we think we can build financial inclusion at scale and for our individual members. That's what the future looks like to us. I remember this, that you've been working with the team at uh, Women's World Banking, uh, that you just recently completed a proposal entitled Formalizing and Expanding Access to Small Loans and Related Financial Services by Digitizing Traditional African Savings Circles. Can you tell us a little bit more about the, the concept behind the proposal and what problem you're solving with this? There are 300 million women in Africa who save and lend $3 billion annually within savings groups, but yet don't have access to basic financial services. So what we're looking to do with this project is to put in place over three countries, so to actually do this at some decent scale, a range of financial services based around a traditional saving circle. That's important because with a traditional system, you have a much higher adoption rate. People are used to using a system like that normally. And so you can layer on top of that financial services based on this behavior. Because to make this successful, there are three or four components that have to be in place. The first one is actually designing using a structured way. Um, so some people call it human-centered design or design thinking, but designing women-specific products in a particularly structured way. The second aspect of uh, a component that needs to happen is really good financial education. Because one of the things we have found in our business to date is that people are very, very happy to get a loan, but they don't always think of how can I repay it back? So we want to be able to come up with you know, very innovative ways of doing financial education that's easy to access and easy to implement that enable people see the direct correlation between savings and poverty alleviation. If we're able to do that financial education piece really well and couple it with this idea of savings to success, then I think we would be really we're much closer to our mission statement which is to improve the financial outcomes of our members through technology and entrepreneurship. Fantastic. So we had a fabulous, fabulous uh, workshop in Singapore. Can you share some of your takeaways from that, that workshop specifically? In Singapore, we actually did a much more interactive, maybe is the right word, um, because there were more people in the room, there were more experiences that were brought to bear. The design thinking aspect of it was actually quite rewarding. But another takeaway from me was working with and interacting with a whole range of different organizations to see that 
even though we're quite small, we all have very similar challenges. I think I'll add one more to that. And that is also the opportunity for us to learn from other members. Yeah, I, I remember actually thinking along very similar lines. In the room, you have fintechs, commercial banks, microfinance banks, very diverse, large, small, different geographies, but really similar problems and real learning opportunities. And I'm going to give you actually a concrete example that came out from the last cohort we did that we're, going, we're looking to implement the next month or so. A similar organization, in out of, I think they're out of Colombia, who gave us this idea. Yeah, that would have, would have been Banco W. There you go, that's them. And it's this idea of we have a, a woman who are contributing uh, their tontines. We then offer them a small loan. And then what they're going to do is they're going to repay this loan with about a 10% extra, which they're going to, we're going to put aside as a saving for them. So that at the end of the cycle, they not only would have borrowed, but they would also have saved at the same time. So that's a great example of cross visualization there. Fantastic, fantastic. You laid out a beautiful vision of the future. But I, I remember we asked you three things that kept you up at night. And you, you talked about the sort of questions. How do fintechs work within a complex and flexible regulatory environment? What is the business case for conventional fin financial institutions partnering with fintechs to deliver digital financial services? And what are the challenges faced when converting cash to digital money where there aren't ubiquitous digital money providers? It's interesting that the first two of those were all about regulation and partnership. So if you ask me what is my biggest risk as a company, my biggest risk is regulation followed very closely by partnership. Because living in Africa... Uh, our regulator could wake up tomorrow morning and go, you know what, we just don't believe in fintechs anymore. You're either going to be a bank or you're going to be an MFI. That's it. Fortunately, especially with the support of the World Bank, who is really pushing very hard and also funding them to put in place fintech regulation, that's not likely to be the case. We are trying to come up, nevertheless, with some mitigation strategies around regulation. We're hoping through the African Development Bank project to form a regional team, an advocacy group that where you can advocate on behalf of savings groups in general. So, so regulation is one of the, certainly my biggest concern. And that is tied very closely with partnerships. At the kind of scale that we want to, to operate at, we can't do it without financial services partners. As a small fintech company, you're not always aligned with your financial services partner, regardless of what you all sign up for, <laughs> right? Um, because the way you both see the world is very different. And also, you don't always move at the same pace. One day, you could be a partner. The next day, you could be, a, you could be competition for them. Because right now, some of the, especially the banks, don't really care too much about uh, the bottom of the pyramid. They're making enough money dealing with that 20% middle class. They're going to work it out one day. They're going to understand that if I can really lower my technology costs and digitize most of my solutions to these people, I can find a profitable way 
to go after what is 80% of our population. So that's, those are the reasons why those two things present uh, risk and challenges for me. You know, the, the things that you don't think about until somebody like yourself just highlights them. It's amazing, it's amazing. So as a FinTech that has joined Women's World Banking, what one piece of advice would you give to your, your FinTech brothers and sisters around the world around how to move forward and make the sort of advances that you have, overcome the sort of challenges that you have and, and really being in a place where you can, you can viably have a, a vision as significant as the one that you have, but actually see a way forward. What one piece of advice would you, would you give? There's actually a skill that we learned from SheCount, which was active listening. That thing is actually magical if you're able to train yourself to do it. When I talk and listen to people, I try to shut up a lot more and just listen. It's amazing how much you get that way. But I also would use it in the context of interacting within the cohort, for example. So one of the things that I would advise, be one big thing I would advise is to listen and learn and then do your very best to network. One of the amazing things that I really love about being a member of the she, she Counts cohort is everybody there is open to help to helping each other. And everybody there is very approachable. We're talking to NMB Bank in Tanzania. Now, they would never pick up the phone and <laughs> if I called them. <laughs> and, they, and there's no way I would be able to connect with them, apart from the fact that we're both are members of the She Counts cohort. I would say as a fintech trying to survive out there, try to demonstrate value really, really early. That means putting out a product as soon as you can, getting customers as soon as you can, and generating revenues as soon as you can. Try to demonstrate values really early to your customers, and then try to demonstrate values really early for your partners. One of the things as a fintech company you need is you need partners, because you're not going to be able to build the infrastructure you need to be able to, to, to grow at scale. And then I think the final thing I want to add there is grow your revenues, make it revenues, 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 revenues. And I think that is one thing that I wished we had concentrated on more, even more as a, as, a, as a fintech startup. But buddy, that has been fantastic as always. Great talking to you. Um, I really appreciate your involvement and Matontine's involvement in, in She Counts and really helping to make sense. Thanks for listening to the She Counts podcast. Our team includes Hill Laxon, Freya Ishan, and our producer, Jessica Bodyford. If you want to know more, please visit our website at womensworldbanking.org. Let us know what you took away from this episode by commenting on iTunes or wherever you enjoy your podcast. Join us for the next episode, and together, let us make savings work for women because she counts. <laughs>